You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This is high-level wisdom for new generation leaders. We interview senior-level baby boomers who share their stories, insights, and how-tos for the emerging leadership of millennials. Our mission is to celebrate their accomplishments in aid of preserving their business knowledge. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Hey, everybody. Welcome to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. This is episode 11. Thank you guys so much for listening. Feel free to continue our conversation. Go to highlevelwisdom.com or you can actually catch us on social media at High Level Wisdom in Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would love it if you would share this with your friends. Please send an episode, send the series. We are on iTunes and Google Play, so you can share this with your friends. We would love it if you would share and also give us a review. But here on episode 11, you were getting to hear part two of my interview with the chief visionary officer of Wealth Legacy Group, RJ Kelly. Now, if you have not had an opportunity to hear the first episode, I highly encourage you to go back to episode 10 or visit any of our previous episodes, but definitely go back to episode 10 to hear more from RJ Kelly. Let's continue on on our conversation as he shares with you more in depth about how he views the next generation and more importantly, what does that look like going into the C-suite? Take a listen. And speaking of sustainability, I know that's something that is important to, to baby boomers. You being a leader, you being an owner of a company, you have an opportunity to talk to many, uh, not only just, you know, rich folks who, who, who are, who are, who, who patronize your business, but you also get a chance to talk to wealthy people as well. You get a chance to talk to influencers. You get a chance to talk to people who are really moving the needle. And I'm curious, what would you say are probably the, the, the biggest struggles that baby boomers are facing um, when it comes to, you know, working with millennials and how, you know, being able to tap that raw power as you kind of talked about and tapping into that, that energy. 
what would you say to, to baby boomers out there who are, who are struggling with that as leaders and don't know kind of kind of what to do when they have you know that those those millennials and and, and I would even say uh, for 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 further context uh, the thing I think about is not just the millennial who is now getting out of college I I want to speak more directly to the millennial who is in their thirties who has been working you know who's who's working up the mountain. Maybe they've even been tapped already by senior leadership to say, yes, I think this is a person we want to groom, but maybe those baby boomers are struggling. What would you say are some of the struggles that they're, that they're having that uh, maybe you want to speak to? Well, they may be like me in that I've got to say, I was sort of immune or walled off from the millennial generation. I mean, I, I wasn't really paying attention. So I'm, almost a little embarrassed to say that it wasn't until, you know, maybe last year, towards the, probably even towards the end of the year, that I realized how big this cohort is. You know, I mean, 80 million is extraordinary. That's an amazing number of people coming forward. And so, one of the things I think is, as a boomer, we have, we have always looked at ourselves, you know, I use the quote, always, two words never use, always and never but I just did. As a baby boomer, we have felt that the world kind of revolved around us. That here we are, 70, you know, whatever our number is, um, however many millions, that we were the pig in the python and this big bulge. But now all of a sudden, here comes along another pig in the python and it's not us. I would say one of the things that we need to do is, as a, as a boomer, is hang out with millennials, get to know their story. Um, I happen to be, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm probably a 9.2 for tech. So we're heavy consumers of technology. What I love, you know, if I struggle with something, I just go over to one of my two millennials and say, hey, how do I do this? <laughs> and probably they know that there's just things that we can learn from each other and enjoy. And so as a uh, as a boomer, I think we, we need to embrace the abilities of the millennials and, and not be not be intimidated by them. Number one, um, I think as as mentor, we need to be mentors. That as now a boomer, it's, it's incumbent on me to be a mentor. And I, I really, in my company, I visualize myself as a mentor to all of my team, not just our millennials. But it's even more important, I believe, that every person. Every, especially every boomer, we need to say and ask ourselves, who am I mentoring in my life right now? Not that somebody really wants me to come over and just tell them what to do. No, I have to earn the right to be heard. But by mentoring, I need to understand what's going on for them. Who am I mentoring by starting with understanding? Who are you? What's important to you? Where do you see yourself three years from now? If we were meeting for lunch three years from today, what absolutely has to happen in your world for you to feel like it's been exciting and rewarding and meaningful and, and fun? What does that look like? And, and understand it. And then the follow-up questions are, what are the biggest obstacles you see between now and then of those things happening? What, what could possibly stand in the way? And, and what are the greatest opportunities that you see over the next three years? What are you excited about? What's, what's keeping you awake at night? What, what are you worried about? So when I say mentoring, it's not the dad talking to the kid, yada, 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 the kid's figuring it out. No, it's 
again, earning the right to be heard, that, that person coming alongside of that young millennial, saying, how can I help you? Where do you want to be? And, and what can I do through either our contacts, through the work that we're doing, through organizations I know of? What can I do to help you? And ask with just true sincerity and honesty to, to find out. That's, that's what I think that we've got a tremendous opportunity between the boomers and the millennials, these two amazing generations, to work with each other, help each other. And then the millennials have come through with their enthusiasm, with their um, sometimes idealistic uh, concepts where they're just like really out of touch with what's reality. Um, but they're, the reality that sometimes I hear is in fact an opportunity to look at a different reality. It's to say, why couldn't that happen? Why couldn't we have this the way you've just pictured it just now? It hasn't happened so far, but why couldn't it? And, and really, it's, it's Edward de Bono, who's considered one of the leading thinkers of our time. Uh, he wrote the book Six Thinking Hats, which to this day still remains as one of the most brilliant pieces on the art of thinking. And so for every millennial, every, frankly, everyone listening to our podcast, go out, get it, go to Amazon, take that book up. It's just an amazing book called The Six Thinking Hats. It'll take you less than an hour to read it. And it will transform the way you run a meeting and run your organization. Uh, in terms of the process of thinking, but one hat that we wear is the green hat, which is the brainstorming hat, which is the creativity hat. And I find millennials are extraordinary with being able to green hat, to think of possibilities or ideas. Well, why couldn't we try this? Now, unfortunately, the, and maybe a baby boomer, uh, there's also people that wear black hats, which is what's wrong with that idea and why it won't work. We tried that 14 times or two years ago and it didn't work. So part of the process is when you're in the thinking process and green hatting, nobody does it better in many cases than millennials. Now, it may need to be tuned up and taken to another level by having the constructed input of other folks that have been around a little bit longer. But that, I think, is some tremendous opportunities of having people on the same, in different generations to be in the same room and get on the same bandwagon together. Absolutely. Do you think that with that sort of approach, being able to, to, to be a mentor in that capacity, do you think that larger corporations struggle to create that sort of environment that fosters that approach? Absolutely. Because one of the things that millennials want, they want transparency. They, they want leaders that they can trust and where they feel like they can have an open and honest relationship with those leaders and those, those co-workers. And, but Unfortunately, and many times in a corporate environment, you're taught to put up the veneer, you know, have the walls up and, you know, don't get too close to people. And God forbid you have sexual harassment charge, you know, or something. It, it just, there, I'm not saying, I'm not advocating for people who go around doing sexual harassment. That's right. not the point. But the point <laughs> is to, to, to be willing to be transparent. To, for, for a leader to be willing to, to, to not always have to be right. And to enable others also around them to fail and to celebrate that. So meaning that, that if we're going to help millennials advance in their careers, we have to be willing to um, get them in places and help them win and give them the greatest opportunities for winning. And when they don't, when they fall down, let us remember that, you know what, we settle down too plenty of times, plenty of times. 
And so it's like the, the, the story of the, the man who was sitting up or the woman who was sitting up on the top of the mountain, you know, that was the wisest person in the world. And the reporters all went up there to say, how did you become the wisest person in the world? Why did people want to see you? And he said, well, I, well, I make good decisions. I, I consistently make good decisions. And, and so everybody went away. But one reporter came back and said, well, what do you mean you make consistently good decisions? How, did, how do you do that? And the, this wise person said, well, um, I have lots and lots of experience. And the reporter thought about that one for a minute, and he said, well, okay, but where did you get all this experience from? And then the, the wise person looked around and he said, you're making lots of bad decisions. <laughs> so we, we, we learn how to make good decisions because we made plenty of bad decisions. And as boomers, we cannot forget the fact that we've stubbed our toe in our head many times to get where we are. We've become the conscious, we've become the unconscious competent. We, had, we started out maybe as an unconscious incompetent. We were so bad, but we didn't even know how bad we were. We then had a series of tragic events or something that got our attention, so we became conscious of being uh, incompetent. But we weren't willing to stay there. We said, I'm going to learn how to do this better. I'm going to study and go to school and, and, and sit down with mentors and take people out to lunch. And, and we learn how to do things right, and we become good at it. We become competent, but we have to work at it, so we're conscious. But then we do that over and over and over and over again, and we get to a point where we are unconscious competent. But the danger there is that we forget the path that we had to take to get there. So with millennials, millennials want to get ahead, but it means that we need to tell them get you know, kind of what the opportunities are, but then help them succeed, finding out what they need for resources. And then when they, if they don't get it right the first times, okay, that's fine. Let's celebrate that. What did you learn from it? How, how will you not make that same mistake again? And what can you do differently next time? That, we're not here to punish, Chris. We're here to encourage. We're, mentoring means we're here to celebrate when people make mistakes, assuming that they are not going to choose to make those same mistakes again. And, you know, again, millennials is a generation. One of the things I love about them is that you have this heart to collaborate. They want to work together. They're, they're much more sweaty than other generations. They are much more team-oriented, um, collaborative-oriented, as opposed to as boomers who are kind of like fiercely independent entrepreneurs. Um, so that, with that environment, creating a team environment where we're working together towards a common good, that's right in the millennial's sweet spot. We must sing in their song. This is really, really good because I think our listeners need an opportunity uh, in, in this interview and, and obviously the, the, the ones that continue, but you raised some great points here, and I, and I think that for the baby boomer out here who might be listening, they might struggle with how do I mentor when I have an entire company, you know, I'm under pressure from the company, I'm under pressure from my stockholders, I'm under pressure from, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the regulations, I'm under pressure from, you know, and, and we're, all, we're all supposed to produce. You know, that's the only thing that matters. And unfortunately, when when you work in an environment like that, that gets pushed all the way down. And so I always tell people that, you know, as a leader, you know, you may think that you just, you know, said something very quietly. But by the time it gets seven levels down into your organization, everybody's screaming. it, Right. And so that means that it didn't translate well. And so I think you bring up a, a very good point that uh, we may have to look at from a workplace perspective. How do we transform the workplace so that it's more inviting of failure? How do we give people an opportunity to know that they can fail in a safe place and 
it's mm-hmm. okay and that it's actually encouraged. There's a lot of, as you know, there's a lot of companies out there that do not encourage people to fail. Not that we are asking people, oh, go blow, you know, a million dollars on something. We're not saying that, but, you know, right. when, when someone's honestly trying, you know, and they fail, we don't, we're not, and I would say as Americans, we're not as, as, as good about patting people on the back and supporting them. Um, I, I heard Warren Buffett once say that he won't even talk to somebody if they haven't failed a few times with their idea, you know, with their business because, and we hear that and we think it's great, but then, you know, somebody out there might be saying, well, you know, that, that sounds great, but I can't afford for, you know, our marketing plan not to go well. Can't afford for, you know, uh, this product to not sell X because this is what we told our stakeholders, you know, a year ago, you, you know, so, so what do you say to those folks who are, who are kind of really facing that, that environmental pressure? How do you, what would you, what advice would you give that, that baby boomer leader who's sitting in that space? They have all that pressure around them and they really do probably have a genuine heart to be able to, 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 to mentor in the right direction, but they do have these kind of exact, you know, pressures within their ecosystem. What would you say to, to, to that person? Well, there's a couple of thoughts that come to mind here. Let me start from a, a real granular 30,000 foot view level and, and again, a little bit more about R.J. Kelly. First and foremost, I'm a follower of Jesus. That, to me, you know, again, and my wife is as well. And so for us, it's understanding that we are all made by a Heavenly Father who is crazy about us, each and every person. And, and that each and every person is built with, with a song inside of them that needs to be sung. And, and um, so every person has value. And unless... So I think every person has to get to a point where they, they understand why they're here on the planet. <laughs> and, and not that everybody's going to be a follower of Jesus. And, but the point is that they need to get in touch with the fact of who are you? Why are you here? What difference are you going to make that, you're, that you lived? And you're a boomer or a, a buster or anything in between or a greatest generation. I mean, there are folks that, that, that just haven't come to grips with what that looks like. Okay, then the second part of it is is that when you... So, so first of all, is acknowledge the fact that we are all broken. You know, it, it, like I said, we're all whacked. <laughs> and there's right, some days right. that I'm more whacked than others. <laughs> exactly. Part of our, our team, team here at Wealth Legacy Group is I actually have a counseling group. So I have three marriage and family therapists, three organizational psychologists, and myself, because I thought I was going to be a marriage and family therapist when I came out of college. Uh, to address the fact that every family, every business, every relationship is broken. And we need to give each other grace. We need to be willing to forgive. Um, now, that doesn't mean we put ourselves in a dangerous situation and, and if it's a, it's a wife's an abusive marriage, she has to hang in there. That's all I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we recognize that all of us are going to make mistakes. All of us blow it. And we all need to be full of grace and mercy. That said, um, we also have to have standards of performance. Um, a wonderful book by Chris Engorder. Chris is the um, CEO of, of Shark or Scripps Healthcare, uh, an amazing organization here with you know, like 17,000 employees. And Chris uh, leads one of the dynamic healthcare groups here. Sharp Hospital is also an incredible dynamic. Uh, Mark Murphy is the CEO and president there, and he's also extraordinary. These leaders understand that they can't. They, they can't expect for performance from their team unless they're crystal clear on their why of what the organizational mission is. And getting 
everyone from the top to the bottom to the sides involved in pulling their oars in the same direction. And so it starts with a clear message. So from leadership, we need to be able to, to state our purpose very clearly. Because guess what? If we take great care of our employees and our staff, our team, that will help us take great care of our customers, which will give us an incredible bottom line. So scripts and script them, Chris came into an organization that was bankrupt and turned it around. And it's an extraordinary organization. So he has a book uh, called The Frontline Leader. The Frontline Leader, and, and that book is simply about, as a leader, how do you empower your team? And it's by being upfront, by being crystal clear what the objectives are of the organization, finding out what their ideas are, how can they help, and, and when you bring everybody together and value them and listen to them, isn't it amazing that people get on all get on board the ship and help you steer it and help you sail it? And those people that won't or don't, guess what? They'll get off the ship. Tell <laughs> you they'll either voluntarily jump overboard or they will be you know, kindly escorted overboard. Um, and so not from a draconian standpoint and you know, with whips and chains. No, people want to. They want to be involved with organizations having a huge impact and a great mission in the world, millennial or otherwise. So, obviously, again, trying to hit a couple different points here. But for that millennial that's coming on board, you better be, A, good at what you do, hungry to learn, expressing, how can, what can I learn? How can I, how can I help you? Asking everybody, being eager to learn and to absorb things like a sponge and not expect for people to babysit you or just give you a reward because you showed up. That's not enough. You know, again, uh, I don't mean to sound harsh, but that is a criticism that I have seen of this generation that I do think has some truth to it. There has been a sense that they are, there's a feeling of, that they have the right to demand something. No, you don't. Some people call that entitlement. You really <laughs> yeah. You got to earn that right. And, but, so it's, it's not instant gratification or recognition. And that, I know that's a classic issue for this generation, but get over it. But again, point is with having people finding organizations that that are, in fact, mission-driven, that are having an impact in their space, whether it's healthcare, technology, education, whatever. There's so many terrific millennials that just want a chance to come in and prove themselves and work as a team and, and bring their exceptional giftedness. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm very optimistic about this generation. And, and, and what we as mentors need to be doing is, is to bring them in, help them see clearly what the mission is, find out how we can help support them, and then just turn them loose. And then periodically check in with them. Don't just abandon them. Kids don't raise themselves alone. Well, babies don't. Adults don't either. You know, you got to make sure that there's checks and balances. But to make sure the managers and the mid-managers coming into these, what can I do? What's your target for today? What are you working on? How can I help you? And one, one thing we started doing, I know we're running out of time here, but one thing I started last year that has been so good for us is we, at about 10, 15, 10, 30, we all meet and we do a daily huddle. And that huddle is where we each talk about the most important tasks, most important projects we have to do that day. And we, it, it can't be longer than 15 minutes. It's a stand-up meeting. 
everybody's sitting down now, and we go around the room and everybody talks about their most important task and project for the day. So, number one, it means that people need to be ready to go when they show up because uh, they're going to get asked, what's your project today? But the other thing is we find that any people will up a project and it will, one of the other team members will say, oh, I, I, I can help on that. Or, well, by the way, I already got this part done. And, and we find that all of a sudden work has already been getting done on that project by another team member. So it's, it's a terrific way to keep lines of communication open and communicating with each other. Uh, and our millennials are, are, you know, I mean, they're just every bit of part of, of our team. We're, we're all working together because we know where we're going. That's that collaboration. Millennials are just, they're awesome about collaboration. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so I, I love what you talked about because I think what, what, what you're really getting at is learning how to work your company from the inside out as opposed to outside in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have typically traditionally built companies that, well, if we're getting all the customer sales, the customer ha- the company has to be doing well. But then when you really peel back the layers, you realize, well, people are unhappy. They're being treated poorly inside of the company. Um, they're being pressured to, you know, just make a sale, right? That doesn't create for a really great environment. And so what you're really talking about is yeah. building that sort of culture inside of your organization that allows for failure, growth, conversation, questions to be asked of leadership, transparency by that leadership to answer those questions, the accountability that works That's not right. just top down, but bottom up, right? So so you speak to some great things. So I would like to kind of quickly just turn the tide a little bit on this conversation. And, and this, this is one question I love asking because I think it's it's important that um, our listeners get an opportunity to have a voice. And, and, and as a baby boomer, you'll love this question because I think uh, every baby boomer, if I stopped them on the street and asked them this question, boy, they could probably say what they think. But what would you say is some of the misconceptions that sit out there about being a baby boomer that, that you would just like to speak to? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, selfish. We're a selfish generation. I don't, I don't, I have to stop and think, what what are the things that people say about boomers? Um, the selfishness, the first thing that comes to mind should be because of we are this pig in the python, and so we just kind of thought that uh, the world should revolve around us. And they, what else? It's a great question. I don't, I don't think of myself as a a cast member of that group. <laughs> I can tell you that uh, boomers are. I think hopefully I'm, I'm not exaggerating this, but I think boomers are extremely hard workers. Um, certainly, there's a there's a very much a strong work ethic. Uh, in boomers that I don't know too many boomers that are lazy. I mean, in, in my sphere, I mean, you can point out lots of examples, I'm sure, but I, I just, in my sphere, the boomers I know and run with, they are working hard. Um, they're very, we're a very confident generation. I gotta say that about us too, is that boomers, um, it's like the, it's been said about the Apostle Paul, uh, sometimes wrong, but never in doubt. <laughs> I love that description. Boomers <laughs> are, are pretty darn competitive too. They're, uh, you know, again, there's there's sometimes to a fault where um, instead of, of, of having and enjoying the competition for just its sake and then being able to let go, uh, 
I've got to say some, something for myself. Sometimes I've had a hard time letting go of stuff, and I and and others in our generation, I think sometimes um, we take it too seriously. You know, it's just not a, it should be a game, and we don't treat it that way sometimes. Um, boomers are very goal oriented. That, that's um, I think one of the characteristics of our generation, and and darn resourceful. You know, clever. We we figure we tend to figure our way around a bunch of stuff, and we. Pretty team oriented. I mean, I think that that's, um, I certainly feel this way as a boomer, and I a lot of boomer friends that feel this way as well, that a strong sense of community that we, that we want to hang, you know, if doing something with two people is great, doing something with 50 people is even better. And the last part I'd say is that we're boomers for the most part kind of like to have, uh, they like to have structure. They like to kind of know where things lay in. And the, my my mom was bless her heart was uh, she was a great mom just incredible my dad was pretty much gone and I really didn't have a dad in my life but my mom was more than made up for it and she was very disciplined in her own life and uh, she would read her Bible every night and she would uh, she was just so consistent and she was so predictable and dependable and she passed it along to me I mean I I love I'm pretty darn disciplined in what I do, uh, and, and uh, whether it's working out, whether it's whatever it might be. And I think that's characteristic of our generation as well. But, but you know, you speak to something that I think is very important. You're speaking to kind of what shaped the generation itself. So, you know, I, I love history. So I always read about history, and I, I always say that, you know, the more things change, the more things remain the same. It's just true. And, and so, you know, if you if you look at, you know, what was going on when, when baby boomers were, you know, in their teens and, and early 20s, right? You had, you had wars that were happening, catastrophic things that were going on around the, the world that was shaping what was happening. One of the things that I, 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 I've always paid attention to was how, how did some of the world um, situations that were happening to a generation impact how they even approach daily life, how they impact um, even the workplace, right? And one of the things that I think that is important that uh, our, our listeners understand and, and something that I'm always paying attention to is that the moment World War II ended, it changed everything in America. Everybody was mm. kind of used to being at war. <laughs> for quite some time mm-hmm. and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden sure. war and, and all of a sudden then war stopped and then all of a sudden it was well now what do we do with all of these people who are now coming home what do we do what what does social structure look like what kind of programs do we have to put in place uh how, how do we how do we you know bring families together that that also impacted the workplace environment because there were things that had to be put in place that that happened and i be, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly Every baby boomer I know who's a leader, who's influencing the company or wherever they may be, they are the hardest working people because they grew up in a generation where you came to your job, you were thankful you had a job, you go to your desk, you sit down, mm-hmm. you do the work, and you, you work until the boss tells you to go home, and that's it. You don't ask questions, you don't <laughs> you, you you worked for what you wanted. Uh, and if that included your weekends, well guess what? You're getting up on the weekend and you're doing the same thing. And that shaped the, the what we have, and one of the things that I, that the part of the, my my mission and purpose for even doing this podcast is because I think we forget that sometimes we need to celebrate that sort of work ethic and achievement. Uh, people like yourself who've built companies, you know, we're all benefiting from that. We're we're benefiting from the R.J. Kellys, from the 
you know, from, from the leaders around this country who built companies, who, who've done the impossible, right. Uh, at, at a time for a critical juncture for, for large companies. And I'm not just talking about small companies. I'm talking about the, the largest of companies, the largest financial institutions to the, to the smallest power plants, to the biggest power plants, to the, when you think structurally about this country, that hardworking nature is what got us what we have today. And um, it's important that I think we all learn to not only just celebrate baby boomers for that sort of achievement and work ethic, but realize something shaped that generation. One of the things that I believe truly that shaped the millennials generation on, on how they approach the workplace and some of what we're seeing and even some of what we're seeing in certain industries had a lot to do with the tech boom, had a lot to do with what was going on in the 90s, had a lot to do with uh, 2008 and the stock market crash. And watching your parents struggle when one day they were up on top one day and then all of a sudden it all went away. And, you know, maybe they had a house that they loved, but then they end up losing it and watching your. And so when then you get of age to go to work and you remember not seeing your mom because she was running a company. Well, guess what? You might come to work and you might be a sought after person, but you're going to have something to say now. All right. And so there's consequences of all of these actions that baby boomers have taken. Yes. Are the problems new? I wouldn't say they're necessarily new. I would just say they're more prominent now in this generation than they probably were in the past generations. Um, because there's more options, there's more, there's more choice, there's more uh, freedom to, sure. to be able to move and do the things that you want to do. But you, you speak to those things and, and it's very powerful to what you're saying because I, I think that it's something we have to consider. We do have to consider how as, as a, you as a baby boomer, you have to consider as a parent how you've shaped you know, your children and how that's going to impact how they see the world, how they see going into their job, how they see their family, how they see what's right. most important to them. And, and I think it's, a, it's a, it's a, uh, I had an opportunity to, 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 to share with the CEO and he, he's a part of our interview uh, series as well. And one of the things that he said to me that I thought was so powerful uh, and our audience listeners, you'll get a chance to hear this in an upcoming uh, podcast, but he, he mentioned that, he remembered his aha moment when he realized that everybody that was coming into his office, that was coming to the jobs that, that they had applied for, the thousands of uh, employees, eventually he was actually training his children. And he said the moment that clicked for him, the more it was, it, it was easier for him. It, was, it wasn't, didn't make it, it didn't mean it wasn't hard, but it was just easier for him to understand. It was easier for him to learn how yeah. he needed to shape his employees, the younger ones who were coming in. And he, he also mentioned the fact that because he worked so hard and because of the things he would complain about in the world as his kids grew up, now his kids are challenging status quo because they heard him for so long complaining about things. So not only was he shaping his child's belief on work ethic, but he was also shaping them politically. He was shaping them yeah. you know, with yeah. their environment. Yeah. It's, a, it's amazing. Yeah, those things come back to roost, uh, right? And, and so <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and, and one of the things that this work ethic within the boomers is, is that's what that maybe one of the greatest areas of potential conflict between the millennials and the boomers. Absolutely. The boomers, and again, I'm IR1, and we kind of, you know, we're, we're bollocks. We, you know, I mean, I think nothing of, of working long hours, and, and at least in this case, my wife is our COO, so I get to see her all through the day. Pretty much. But, <laughs> That's right. Um, millennials, they, they feel much more about work-life balance. 
there there is a potential for conflict because they're they're just not as willing to sacrifice their personal life to to expand or advance their careers as much. Now they work hard, they play hard, and and they want to be in a company that really embraces that work life balance. So I think that's a, a potential for conflict, or it's also potential for for balance and, and letting the millennials actually be a, a governor, be a, a moderator for us to not work so doggone crazy long hours. Do stand up stuff. You know, right. and again, just make sure you're working out. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm an eight time marathoner. So for wow. me, being physically fit is really important. And so again, um, it has to be about work life balance. And, and we, we have a, a mom who's got a couple of young babies and, you know, young girls, young kids, rather. And so we chase her out of the office. And, and it's cute to watch my, you know, in-house journey coming over to Veronica and say, hey, Veronica, you know, it's time for you to go. Come on, come on, leave. Right, right. <laughs> but just, well, we're, we're looking out for each other to make sure that, that there is balance. And, you, and it's so great because I, I think the thing that, uh, you, you're right, there is a potential conflict for, for, for the work ethic. But where we have a potential conflict is also where we have a potential for solutions. And I think one of the things that we have mm-hmm. to do as a part of our narrative between millennials, me being an older millennial myself and, and, and you being a baby boomer, I think one of the potentials that we have for a solution is to understand that, uh, as you mentioned, millennials work ethic is just as high. But one of the things I think that we, we forget is that because of some baby boomer out there <laughs> who helped build technology and, and create the, the infrastructure for what we're able to have today, we forget that now work ethic just has a different look. Whereas back in the day, work ethic mean you come in, you do your 14 hours, and then you go home and you get up the next morning, you do it again. And you don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. Today, because of the speed of technology, because of the access to tools and information you can get the same amount of work done just in less hours. You can actually get more done to be a lot more uh, efficient. And I think the name of the game nowadays is efficiency. And it's so funny because it's not that baby boomers and millennials, in my personal opinion, want two different things. We want the same thing. We've just been able to go about them because of the, the, the benefits of technology and the changes that have happened. We've been able to change. We've been able to achieve those things in very different paces. Now, here's something that I I would love to get your your thoughts on. One of the things that I think is very important is that we all we all have a perspective. And I love that you brought up that perspective, right, of, you know, be willing to have grace. You know, heck, you were their age at one point. Right. And you thought you knew it all. Then you Mm -hmm. realized that you didn't. Right. I'm very curious about this. So, you know, being a parent, being a leader, uh, you have an opportunity to. To, to, to do things and afford your children uh, experiences that not many people get an opportunity to do. But I'm very curious about how, how do you, when you say, you know, I'm done, it's, it's over, I'm, I'm completed my, my, my portion of this journey on this planet, what would you say you want your millennial children, your millennial leaders who are, you know, coming up in the company, your, your, those who are taking, you know, higher level positions, uh, not only just in your company, but in other companies, what would you say you want them to walk away with that you gave them while you were here? 
So what I'm here to ask is what some of the, the counselor wisdom uh, observations that I would pass along. Is that those questions? Sure, absolutely. Even if, even if it came down to you know if you got to be a little bit more focused, I would say you know what would you want your you know your your personal children to walk away with knowing that you gave to them to be able to be even better going forward. Well, to me, I think it is is to to never never be satisfied again. Always, never. Don't use always or never. But I mean, the point is. Don't be satisfied with something just because it's the way it is. Have a vision and an and a expectation that something could be different. We I'm a, I'm a, live in a plain community and I'm on the uh, Homeowners Association board and we have a number of different communities in this master community and, and then there's the master board. And we, unfortunately, we've been having a whole series of thefts that have been occurring and we're now electronically connected, and whether these steps have been occurring at this level, uh, and now we're just you know we're just finding out about it because we're electronically connected, or or maybe things have really spiked, and but people go around and, and UPS drops off a package, and boom, and it goes by and steals it. It's just seems like it's pulled out of control, and so what was frustrating is I was reading people's comments and they were angry, they were upset, they were afraid, they were really frightened. And our homeowners association, the master association, was not being responsive. I mean, I could see, nor was the, the group that we hired to help us run our association. And so, you know, I just organized a town hall meeting and not as a board member, but just as simply as an owner of one of the homes in the community, I organized a town hall meeting for us to get together and meet and, and let people be heard. And not, not that it's a bitch session, but it's to let people have a chance to express their fear, their anger, their frustration, but also to move it forward to say, okay, so what are some opportunities? How can we address this? And what are, what are some creative ways we can come to solutions? So what I would say to our boys is when you see a need or an issue or something that's going on that's affecting other people, you be the person to start moving it forward. You be the person to champion that. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. If you see the need, then that means you also have been given the ability to help be a solution to that need. You know, it's, it's either lead, follow, or get out of the way. Or another person, my mom used to say, you know, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. <laughs> so, to, to our boys, to anyone, I would say that when you look around, and, and the second point is this, the world is in pain. It's said that everyone around you is either in pain or just came out of pain or is just going into pain. And the fact is, there are people that are dying of cancer. And, you know, again, whatever your issue is, I, mean, I live with a woman who lived through the killing fields, was in a prison camp for three and a half years, was tortured. I watched her father be, have his head take blown off by the Khmer Rouge in front of the family. It just, you know, unspeakable things that she lived through. And so if somebody's telling me that they're having a bad day because they're not being treated fairly, all I have to do is just introduce them to my wife, and it just puts things in perspective. So my the other thing to remember is be very, very thoughtful around people around you. So if someone cuts you off or someone treats you rudely, you may be having a really bad day. You know, the fact is they may be just have found out that their, their son or their brother or their sister or their mom has been diagnosed terminal. He's going to live for two weeks. So we just, 
again, gets back to the whole idea of having more grace, to be more kind to one another. Um, I wear on my wrist, I wear a bracelet. It just says kindness matters. Kindness matters. I have, I have several on my table here, but so to invite people to take and wear it. Just in a reminder, I want to remind myself to be kind to people around me, whoever I meet, wherever I meet them. Um, I heard today when I was at a meeting this morning about a fellow who carries $10 Starbucks cards. When we find somebody who's having a bad day or having a tough time, so just ask them, do you ever go out for coffee? Do you ever take a friend out and just go have a cup of coffee and kind of unwind? And if they say yes, then they just hand them a Starbucks card and say, here, and hope, today, hope tomorrow is a bit better day for you. I'm sure it will be. Now, just, just kindness. Um, so... So what I'm seeing and I'm going to up with you got me passing up but you know, I'm I've never been more optimistic for us as a country because right now I see us grappling with issues that are are very challenging from opposite viewpoints. My chiropractor is a young millennial. She's bright, she's really good at what she does, and she is politically on opposite ends of me in just about every conversation. But we have these engaged dialogues where I learn something. Alicia, I mean, Alicia has a, a, a different way of seeing things. But she's also, she waits for me to say, hey, what about this? You know, So she'll ask me these tough questions about really difficult political or economic issues, and she's um, she wants to know my point of view. Not that I have to come in and be the you know the know it all, but it, it does in many ways. I got to be on my toes when I go see Alicia because, in addition to getting great chiropractic care, um, pun intended by the way, being on my toes, <laughs> she she expects me she expects me to know uh, and have an opinion and a thoughtful opinion, and but also to be asking her questions. Asking her questions about what she think about it, what's her perspective, how does she view something, and so we get to these. We don't necessarily solve the ill of the world, but we start have some very engaged conversations that are I find very enjoyable. Absolutely, well, RJ. Listen, it has been a pleasure to have you on the High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders podcast. I am looking forward to more of. The impact that you're going to create, I have a feeling that we'll probably have to do a part two <laughs> at some point in the future here. Um, Why use one sentence when two sentences will do? Right? That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so uh, we're, we're just we're thankful for you again. Uh, you know, I celebrate you, RJ, as, a, as an individual who uh, has has come through incredible odds, as a family who's come through incredible odds. But you have made an impact on this country. You have made an impact on the workplace. You have made an impact um, in other people's lives that I think is very, very important. And one of the things here on my podcast is I like to ensure that baby boomers know uh, here they're celebrated. Our audience celebrates uh, you, celebrates your achievements, and more importantly, uh, that our audience uh, has another opportunity to hear from someone uh, like yourself uh, who, who, who's been through the different types of struggles, who got your own unique struggles, but to, to know that you're out here fighting along with this. Um, and that we all have something Absolutely. to contribute to this world. And so I appreciate your work. We appreciate your family's work. We appreciate your story. Just thank you for being a part of this series. Well, again, just my honor, Chris. And I'm so delighted that you would, uh, we had to spend this time together. And, and again, we can never give up hope. The fact is that it doesn't matter how desperate things look outside if we just remember that there are people around us that we don't know, we don't see, we haven't met yet, 
that are choosing to make a difference for good. And just because we haven't heard their story yet, doesn't mean it's not happening. There's so much good that's happening out there. And millennials are right smack in the middle of it. They're, they're some of the people that are, in fact, leading the charge. Uh, so, again, thanks so much for the, the privilege and honor of being with you and your listeners today. I'm looking forward to our next time. Well, that's going to do it for episode 11. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you have had enough enjoyment and rich content as I did when it came to actually conducting this interview with RJ Kelly. Thank you so much for your ears. Thank you so much for your attention. I'm asking that you provide us a couple of things to show your thanks. That is number one. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. It definitely helps with our rankings and allows us to know if we're providing the content that you want. Secondly, please go to social media on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at High Level Wisdom. Please follow us, uh, provide us a like, a share, let people know about this episode. Thank you all so much, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Are you dealing with issues of wealth, legacy, and how to build it effectively? I want you to reach out to the Wealth Legacy Group. R.J. Kelly and his team can ensure that they help you with the right financial planning, the ways of give back programs. They have a host of tools that are at your disposal. I want you to visit WealthLegacyGroup.com or you can give them a call at 1-800-975-5355. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.